I'm not a giant. Let's say that, I'm not a giant. <laughs> yeah, but that's interesting that you've got a giant dog. Yeah. What's that about? Uh, it's obviously complex, isn't it? <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Walking the Dog with Emily Dean. This week, I went out for a wintry North London stroll with the magician Dynamo and his Newfoundland Bunty. So Dynamo's obviously become famous for doing all those epic scale stunts, like walking across the Thames and levitating above skyscrapers. But his real superpower, I think, has been overcoming some real obstacles in his childhood just by working hard and being a really nice person. And weirdly, Bunty the puppy, I mean, he said puppy, she's more a bear. She's also had a tricky first few months of her life, and she's equally a bit of a sweetheart. The only difference between them is that Dynamo doesn't start eating the furry bobble on your hat mid-conversation. He might make it disappear though, so FYI, avoid wearing hats around both of them. I'm going to get off and let you listen, but I really recommend his book. It's called Dynamo, the Book of Secrets, and he gives so much away about magic. I'm practically a professional levitator now. I loved it. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe. I'm going to go there because that would be magic. Dynamo's going to love it. Oh, look at her. Are we ready to go? Yeah, I'm not. Ready she's, to go. she's been ready. She's, she's, she's ready. She is. Bunty's ready. Come on, Bunty. We're going to go. For, can we say the walkies word? Yeah, yeah. In the walkies. I feel like it'll have magical powers if you say <laughs> it. I'm going to introduce the podcast formally. Yes. I'm so excited I can barely speak. That's also because it's really cold. This is Emily Dean. This is Walking the Dog and I'm with Dynamo with his very lovely dog. Do you want to introduce her? Uh, she is called Bunty and she's a Newfoundland. Believe it or not, she's actually still a puppy, even though she's what? She weighs like 10 stone. Wow. She weighs more than me. When I was walking the other day, there was a little girl walking past with her dad and she goes, Daddy, look, it's a gorilla. Well, she's the, one of the most beautiful dogs I've ever seen, Dynamo. She's oh, thank gorgeous. You. She's 14 months old. Yes, she um, she only just kind of actually started walking properly because she had an accident when she was two months old. She, yeah, what happened? She uh, she jumped out of a window. She'd never seen a window before, yeah. and she jumped off the window, I think, chasing a pigeon. And uh, yeah, she broke both of her front legs. Uh, but thankfully, I uh, I know the super vet who was able to literally work his magic and... When he, you say super vet, the super the vet, The super vet, it? not, not it's a Patrick's. super vet, which no. is amazing. So I love that that happens in a celebrity world. You can just say, who am I going to call? Like, super vet. You know, it, I, I, I met him because he came to my show. He brought a lot of his stuff um, to watch my show at the O2 Arena um, when I was on tour. And it, like, I literally exchanged numbers and, you know, I thought, oh, it's, you know, I don't know if I'll ever call him whatever need you know ever feel like I should call super vet but then obviously the accident happened and you know thank god we had his number because um, he was the only person Dynamo, it's getting slippy it is it's a, bit, I feel it's a little anyone, bit icy if anyone can help me through this it's you if if you go I go with you <laughs> maybe we go on the gas pit there yeah okay. there we go let's go here um, okay. so yeah it's he, still icy from the snow he's the recently, only person guys. probably <laughs> yeah, even Bunty's slipping Bunty's <laughs> sliding around and she so, does, it's very Bambi on ice. She's very, yeah. she's looking very cute. So she, these dogs, I called her, when I first saw her, she was bounding. Peter Pan. Yeah, she's yeah. like the Peter Pan yeah, dog. Is, yes, is that yeah, um, Nana? It's the same, yeah, it's the same, um, same, same type of dog, same And are they traditionally, I mean, she seems so good natured and really kind of super enthusiastic. And are they quite nurturing dogs? Are they quite yeah, they're very family loving. dogs? They, um, they, they're great with kids. They, are, they say that they're the best dogs to have for young, with young children. They're very protective of, um, of humans as well. Like, really? Yeah, it, they are natural swimmers, which you might see in a little while, because I think she's probably wow. going to try and go in into the dog pond here. So um, but yeah, when, but in, in, in Italy, um, <laughs> and where they're from, in, from New, in Newfoundland, they actually train them to jump out of helicopters into the sea and rescue humans. Because really? they, they can, they can, if they've got like their life vest on, they can save, they can swim with like eight humans on the, like holding on to them she at the same time. She wants to go into the pond, is that all right? Because it's a bit icy. It's, I think it should be all right. I mean, she probably won't go too far in. That's the sound of, you can probably hear the sound effect. That was um, Bunty splashing her way into the pond. You like it in the pond, don't you, Bunty? So Supervet, who I'm a big fan of, I love his show, and in fact I've got a dog, Raymond, who would fit into one of Bunty's paws, 
and we watch it together. He actually watches it. He gets very yeah. excited while the dog's on it. Does Raymond bark? Like, whenever Bunty sees dogs on television, she yeah. barks at them? Like, does well, Raymond he doesn't do bark, he does a Chewbacca noise. <laughs> which, which he goes, oh, so he does that. <laughs> it's true. Is that the mating call? <laughs> <laughs> so you rushed her down to Supervet and he did... She looks great now, I've got to say. Yeah, he's done she's a doing amazing. Job. Her, her two front legs are actually bionic limbs. He had to put like all this like metal and these bionic um, wrists and stuff like that in there because her front legs just were not working. Really? They were, yeah, and it, she had eight operations in the and last And you year. must have been really worried for a time. Oh yeah, I mean there was it was very touch and go. Yeah. Um, there was certain times when when you know with whenever you put in you know any operation on animals, they can get infected really quite really easily. Yeah. And if you get certain types of infection, it can actually mean that you can't cure it. Yeah. And there was a few times where you know, where literally it came, it almost came to that, but like really? saying, Supervet's the only person in the world who could have fixed her and... It's such know. a lovely story. And what, um, you had a dog before, didn't you? Yeah, I had a German Shepherd called Bessie. Yeah. Um, who, sadly, she passed away uh, last, uh, just over a year ago now, just before we got Bunty, obviously. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, she, she, was, she had a good, you know, she had a good long life, she was 11 when she yeah. passed away. She passed away of pneumonia, unfortunately. Oh, have you got a stick? Bunty's got a stick. <laughs> yeah, so my German Shepherd, Bessie, she was, she was amazing uh, as well. I lo loved her to pieces, you know. She, um, she came on tour with me. Did she? Yeah, she met Supervet as well when he, came, when he came backstage to see me at the show. She got to live the high life, Bessie did, because when I was on tour, we went over to Ireland and stuff like that, um, in Australia and thing, and she came on private jets. So, oh yeah, she had, she had a lovely time. She was like, we could leave her backstage. She was the only dog ever to be allowed backstage at the O2 Arena, right? And she, we could leave her backstage without, you know, without a lead or anything on. And she knew everyone who worked for me. So if anyone who didn't work for me came in, she wouldn't let them in. She's security. Yeah, she was like security. She's, she's brilliant. She's cheap security, you don't have to pay her. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about your dogs growing up then. So did you have dogs growing up? Uh, yeah, I had a Jack Russell called Mitzi, very different from Bunty like never stopped yapping and was running around like yeah. like like no child she uh she got given to her family member when we uh she was with my mum's ex-husband and then in the uh, in the divorce he kind of got the dog oh, he got custody yeah well he actually, he actually gave her to to the grandparents because they had jack, jack russells as well to your so grandparents it's, it yeah. was, well it was it's yeah kind of my my grandparents but not it's my uh my mum's mum dad Oh. Come on, which <laughs> way are you going? So, yeah, they went to uh, some of her relatives. Yeah. Mitzi, she was called. Um, so then for a while, I didn't have a, a dog. Because then I'm, I kind of, quite recently after that, I moved down to London. Oh, right. And then I was, okay. you know, trying to obviously make it as a magician down yeah. here. Which way do you want to go, Bunty? Bunty, you lead the way and we'll Should follow. we go that way? Because that's taking us out of the heat. Oh, let's go this way then. Come on, Bunty. So tell me a bit about when you were growing up in Bradford. Your mum had you when she was pretty young, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she had me when she, when she was young, when she was just out of school. And my father wasn't out. He, he actually, he, they, they were together when I was born, but when I was old enough to actually know him, he, he went to jail. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, he went, to, he went to jail when I was like four years old. Um, that and, must have been tough, Dynamo. Yeah, I mean, in a way, because I was so young, I wasn't necessarily used to having him around because I was, you know, I was a baby. So you don't, when you're like three years old, you're not really understanding the world like that. But then as I got a bit older, you know, and going to school and that, and realizing that, you know, most families have three, have mum and dad, um, then it was strange. But then, you know, in, in those years, that my mum had had different boyfriends and, you know, and, and she remarried. Um, it was remarried a couple of times in, in my time. Yeah. But, uh, I think that's when my grandpa became like my yeah. father figure. And no was way. it your great-grandpa or your grandparents? It's my great-grandpa, but I still call him grandpa because my mum's mum lives in America. That's it. Yeah, so well, she's my grandma. She's, and, she the one with all and the mums, But my mum's dad lives in England, so they both remarried before I was even born, I think. So. Got it. So then Mitzi went to live with my mum's dad. This is the Jack Russell. Jack Russell, yeah. yeah. And then my nana in America, they live in America now, they've got a lot of dogs. Because I actually, when I decided to to turn professional magician, I, I left college and I used some money that I'd saved up and went out my, for, my, for my 18th birthday, uh, my grandma in America, she got me a plane ticket and she started out a visa so I could go stay there for eight months. 
and basically they were going on tour with they got a big RV. They were going on tour with uh, 19 award-winning golden retrievers. <laughs> so I'd, go, I'd help them do the dog shows in the I daytime. I like how proud you are of them. That you're, oh, there's a amazing. sense of family pride there. They're award-winning. Oh, they and are, And it's very yeah. important that that's check, name checked. Cobble, <laughs> cobblestone Goldens, if you Google them, they come up. Um, where do you want to go? We haven't been that way, probably. Come on, should we go this up? way? You won't go this way. Come on, show me which way you go. So yeah, they, uh, they had these golden retrievers and I would basically, I'd help them do the dog shows in the daytime and then in the evening, like we'd, we'd go to different places like New Orleans, Las Vegas, you know, yeah. all, like all across America doing all these different dog shows. And all of the places we went to, like I would kind of get, you know, find the local magic club or find yeah. the find the, any magicians that were in the area. So then in the evenings I'd get to spend time, you know, learning from kind of, you know, like really good magicians. Yeah. And taking all these things that I'd learned, I'd bring, when I came back to England, I'd kind of created like a business plan on how I could actually make a living from magic. Because in the UK at the time, I didn't really know anyone that was doing magic for a living. Well, it was interesting because magic, I mean, I'm not going to say naff, but it had that sort of thing when I was growing up. I'm a generation slightly older than you, but it was, you know, it was a sort of dad's thing, wasn't it? With the waistcoat and the um, yeah. Saturday it, night it early TV. It and then it became um, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, me, for, for me, if I'm honest, I've always thought it's been cool because yeah. I, I appreciate the fine detail that goes into it, you know. Yeah. Maybe the magicians at the time were not necessarily the trendiest people in the world. And they were probably, you know, they were of the old generation. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were top hat and tails guys, you know, and magic hadn't really kind of evolved with the times as fast as some other industries. But yes. So then I think what, you know, what happened is, you know, young people weren't necessarily getting into it as much. Because your motivation, I suppose, when you were younger, and you've been really honest about this in the past, that was partly your motivation, was you were bullied at school, weren't you? Yeah. A lot of people do get bullied, and you know I think it's important that you know if you if it's happening to you, you should talk about it and to, in, you know speak to someone because it's one way to definitely kind of try and put an end to it. Like I was getting a lot of trouble at school, but also out of school as well because the area I grew up in, uh, Delphi Estate and the kind of surrounding areas, were not necessarily the the kind of easiest places to to grow up in. Mm. Um, you know, like if you were a skinny lad like I was, you know, you was kind of the easy target. So people, you know, at school. They'd, take my dinner money off me so I'd go for days without dinners not you know skinny enough as it is without having to not getting dinners and they'd put me inside wheelie bins there was two big massive hills at the school in the in the fields um, and they dragged me to the top of the hill and pushed me down the hill in the wheelie bin and stuff like that and just you know kind of stick my head dump my head in the toilets you know the cliched stuff that you hear about happening from bullies um, yeah. put out they put they put cigarettes out on me and stuff like that so it, and what exactly did you do? Did you thing. tell anyone, or were you living with your grandparents at this point? There's another dog there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. I just uh, don't want to go run, run away from us. There we go. I didn't really tell anybody about it. I was too scared, you know, because yeah. that's the thing. They, the bullies put the fear into you that they think that you're, you know, that you think that if you tell anybody, it's going to make it ten times worse. And it, to be honest, sometimes if you tell the wrong person, it can make it worse. Yeah. You know. Um, well, you sort of absorb that shame, don't you? And it becomes just part of who you are. Yeah. You know, for that period when you're being bullied, it's like, and I'm I a bad I, person. For me, it sounds weird. For me, it was normal life. I didn't know that this wasn't abnormal. I assumed everyone went through this type of stuff. Right. You know, because I hadn't known anything else. Yeah. There's a doggy coming. <laughs> That's a brave doggy going to take you on, Bunty. Um, yeah, so... You know, growing up, growing up at school, like I said, I got bullied a lot, but it just became kind of what I was used to. And then I never really spoke about it to anybody. Uh, yeah. my, my grandpa once was, came to pick me up from school and he, came, he got there early and I didn't know this. And he saw them put me in a wheelie bin. And then from then on, you know, he said, you know what, he, he kind of approached me about it and he says, listen, that stuff's not, you know, you should tell us if that's happening to you. Because, you know, we can, tell the, we can tell the teacher, we can, you know, try and stop it. But I was kind of still like, you know, I just don't say anything, you know, just leave it. And then he, then he said, well, let me, let me show you at least, like, some, some techniques, you know, to stop it from happening. And I'm there thinking, yeah, I'm going to learn some karate. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, all right, I'm going to beat him up. But the techniques he showed me were, like, were magic techniques, which he, I knew he did he magic. He was like, here, here's this matchbox. And you're like, how's that yeah. going to help me? But then he, he showed me things like how to take away their strength so they couldn't push me around anymore. And at, 
I just thought this is not going to work. Well, but what then, sort of thing had to take away their strength? Well, like, so obviously, like I said, they used to put me inside the wheelie bin and put me out my head down the toilet and stuff like that. But if they can't pick me up, then they can't put me in the bin anymore. So he showed me this amazing technique to stop them from being able to lift me. Well, I think I've seen this technique because didn't you do this on David Hay, the boxer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's a big guy. Yeah. He, I'd say he's almost as big as Bunty. Yeah. <laughs> so then I presume... But I didn't think it would work, but I did try it. But, you know, when it, when it happened, I tried it and it worked and I was like, whoa. It was like, a whole, it was like literally life-changing. It's like a comic book story. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's how a superhero gets born, is there's a kindly sort of granddad who... It's a, an amazing do, story. It's, you know, it's weird, like, because you brought it up, but, you know, when I do, like, a, a talk about kind of my life, generally, it does echo certain things, like like Peter Parker from Spider-Man. Yes, you know, like, yeah. he, had, he had a bully at school, Flash Thompson. Um, yeah. And, you know, and his he's, uh, father died in a plane crash, you know, when he was really young. You know, like my dad went away, to, obviously, to jail. So it's kind of like there's a lot of similarities, you know, aside from his love of red spandex. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, but we, we do kind of share a lot in common. And, yeah. But, you know, but like he found his ability, you know, and I think magic was the thing that I found. Well, magic found me. I don't think I found it. I think it, you know, it. And then did that change, presumably at school, what that does? It makes you, you have a slight force field around you, presumably, but then do you become a bit 11 in Stranger Things? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you become like that's, that's, a bit other? Well, well, that's what happened because, you know, I was already, I didn't have that many friends anyway because, you know, I was like, I was a skinny kid from the council estate in a school where most people, most of the kids there had, you know, like weren't, weren't brought up in broken families, you know. They were a lot better off than, than myself. Majority of them, anyway. You know, obviously not everyone had this, had luxuries, and the guys who used who kind of couldn't pick me up, rather than look like they got defeated by little old me, they yeah. spread rumours around the playground that I was a demon child. So, but my grandpa thought, you know, he said this is perfect because then he showed me other things to scare them away. But you've got very piercing blue eyes as well, so that's quite good for the demon brand. Yeah, well, it's stuff like um, to fend off just the bullies. Give you that for one second, stuff like you know. Dynamo's so one of the things the dog chain, and he's showing me a trick, and I'm a little scared. Well, one of the things that they, you know, when whenever they try and um, take my dinner money off me, he says, "Well, show them this, you know, if they threaten to break your bones again, we'll then say, look." Oh, Dynamo's just feel no pain. So like, you know, just bent his little finger back at the same time that Bunty did it. Went to the bathroom. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> That's incredible. So stuff like that. that I mean, obviously, you, you, I saw your reaction to that. It was quite a look of terror on your face. So that's you know that type of stuff is obviously going to scare them away. I think there's going to be a little face off here. I can see another big, beautiful dog What's coming towards us. What's this dog coming? We've got two dogs oh, coming up nearest. It's going to be two against one. Bunty, you can take them. <laughs> oh. But just so you know, Dynamo has a slightly Liam Gallagher approach to um, picking up his dog. <laughs> You can take him some, oh, listen, come on. Listen, if, if I'm going to get compared to Liam Gallagher, I'll take that, because he's a legend. <laughs> he is. Make friends, Hello. don't get too crazy. She loves other dogs, you know. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. She's really friendly, She's fascinated she? by him. Like, Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Oh, she's a little frightened, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's so sweet. So, yeah, so... We've um, never been here before, have we, Bunty? It's really part? lovely. We should say, I don't want to give away too much about where you live, but um, we're in North, we're in a North London park, should we say that? Yeah, we're in a North London park. Yeah, and yeah. it's really beautiful. And what I like about you, I know, I read that you'd said this somewhere, that um, you said, I keep it real, I come from the North and I've, st I've stayed North. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if people, say, like. people say to me, oh, you moved to London now, I go, yeah, but I still live in North London, so I'm still a Northerner. Yeah, you're still a Northerner, you kept it real. Yeah. I've still got my accent. <laughs> I've been living in London for like 16 years, I've still got my Northern accent. So I'm really fascinated by this idea of you sort of changing the narrative, if you like. Do you know what I mean? So you made a decision, you were like, right, I can, I'm a bit other, I'm an outsider, I'm kind of slight, and I'm different to these kids. That obviously boosted your confidence, didn't it? Definitely. Like, you know, first off, it did, like you say, it did kind of alienate me a little bit because people were a bit scared of me because of what, you know, because of the stuff I was doing, the magic I was doing. Yeah. Um, but in a way, I used that just to kind of get myself through the rest of my, my kind of last couple of school years without getting any hassle. 
Yeah. Um, but then it did become quite lonely. Um, I didn't have that many friends anyway. And the area I grew up in, you couldn't really go out and play and make friends because you know it was a bit too dangerous. So, um, but yeah, I didn't have, I didn't, you know, I didn't have that many friends, and you know, magic was protecting me, but it was also alienating me quite a lot. Oh. <laughs> and um, but when I went to college after I left school, on the first day, you know, I never really, like I said, I never really performed magic. Did you to... get sort of GCSEs and stuff? And were you academic, or did you uh, just sort of? I, I was, you know, I, I got. I think I just I passed enough to get the college course I wanted to do. Yeah. But barely, you know, like I think I got I got like four C's and then the rest were kinda of like D's and you know, they weren't I wasn't like an A student. You know, I think I don't think I'd like to say I, I had the best time at school anyway and you know, I did I kinda of probably spent more time trying to protect myself than focusing on my actual work that I was yeah. supposed to do. So when I went to college it was like a breath of fresh air and on the first day, like I say, up to this point I never performed magic for entertainment purposes. So when, on the first day, you know, when everyone's like introducing themselves, I mean, because I went to a school, like it was two hours away from the, uh, sorry, a college, it was two hours away from the school I went to. So yeah, and so no one really knew me, no one knew my backstory, no one knew that I got bullied at school or anything there, because no one from my school went to this college. So it was like a fresh start. You can reinvent and, yourself. Yeah, yeah. and on, on the first day, you know, when, when we're kind of going around the table saying, hey, I'm Paul, I play football. I was like, hey, I'm Stephen, uh, I, I do magic. And yeah. I was like, magic, you do magic? Like, yeah, and they were intrigued, so then I showed them it. Yeah. And they were, they loved it, and for, I was then the magic kid at school, you know, at college, you know, I was, and I ended up getting, you know, bookings for for the college parties, and yeah, I ended up dropping out of college because I got so much demand for magic work, but wow. it became, you know, the thing that I wanted to do. And then you went to Las Vegas. Then I went over to Las Vegas. I went. That's like your gap year. You know how a lot of sort of, you know, it's a very middle class thing in in North London where I grew up, around here, where. Everyone would say, oh yeah, I'm going to Israel or I'm going to the Australia. The first time in my life I've ever been ca called anything like middle class. Uh, <laughs> no, but you did a mi you did your version of that, which yeah, is you yeah. went to Las Vegas yeah, to do magic. To do, to do a dog shows. Which I love. Yeah, like, then I realised the power of, of magic. It would allow me to to build, I had, you know, like I said, I grew up in a family, like a broken family, but then through magic I was able to create a family of my own through you know like, like social media became you know yeah. I joined Twitter really early and you know it was like my my friends on on social media became like like a magical family so wherever I go in the world I could say hey I'm in this place do you want to see some magic and people would come out and see it do you know what I mean so it meant that I never had to feel lonely anymore because there was you know magic had allowed me to have like people come and see me anywhere on the planet. Well do you think also something like that it's a way of relating to people and socialising. Yeah, that there? Who are these ones? They're beautiful, aren't they? They're gorgeous. Yeah, this one's naughty. Oh, oh naughty. <laughs> Wait, Cody, no. Oh. Loose, this one starts trouble, that's why she's got the muzzle. Oh, I see. That, that's she, like me. She's right. Oh, they're beautiful, though. <laughs> they're lovely dogs. She's just friendly, she loves all, she loves everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's still, still a puppy, but yeah, she's gonna get bigger. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, they had quite a temper on them. A little bit. She's fearless, though. I know. Well, she's so good-natured. <gasps> she's... Oh. Oh. They're a bit hand of the Baskervilles, this those way. ones. This way. This way. Would you just say you were an introvert, Dynamo, when you were, as yeah. a person, rather yeah, than an extrovert? Uh, yeah, massively an introvert. And also, like, I was introverted, but I was quite shy. I had ambitions to not be introverted, but I didn't have any real role models to show me you know, yeah. the way, um, like say so my grandpa, I'd see my grandpa at the weekends, but it wasn't like a full-time father, it wasn't, you know, and my mum was, you know, she was really young when she had me, so she was busy doing, her, in my early years, she was busy kind of doing her, her own university courses and stuff like that. You was know, she, did she go back and train? And yeah, well, my grandparents were looking after me, and, you know, so it was kind of like, and did you ever have a period with your mum where you were kind of, have you always got on well with her and do you understand about her being young and I suppose that's something that happens with age, isn't it? That you think, yeah. I get, what's it, you're in a difficult situation and I'm, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, my, me and my mum's relationship's always been slightly strange, not in a bad way, just like, you know, in kind of like, we've become kind of more like friends as we've become older, but I, you know, but she's my mum, do you know what I mean? And yeah. she's, you know, I know like, in a one way, like because she was young and kind of young spirited, then she's you know it's she's allowed me to go out, go out there, come move to London on my own and seek a career in something that but she wouldn't even understand. You know, like as a parent, if you say to your parent, "I'm going to become a professional magician," like Bunty's most parents don't even. Oh, Bunty! 
What kind of dog is your dog? He's a cocker. A cocker. Oh, oh right. He's absolutely lovely. He is gorgeous. We just borrowed him. He's my French dog. But he's oh, really? really sweet. Can you say you Beautiful. Nice to meet Come you. Come on, then, this way. Bye-bye. Come on, Bunty. When, you know, you started becoming a star, did you find with your old life, back in Bradford, and I'm, I don't know what the situation is with your dad, and I, I won't pry if that's not something you want to talk about, but did, did that feel suddenly like life had changed so dramatically for you, hadn't it? And did it change your relationships with people? Because that can sometimes um, happen. I think like, all my all my real friends from Bradford are still like my like my closest, probably. You know, my best friend Johnny Farley is the one is the person I know the longest out of anyone. About you know from my, from my school days, yeah. and we're still best friends now. Yeah. You know? Obviously, he's got kids of his own, and you know he's kind of he's up in Bradford still. But you know he gets down when he can, and I go see him when I can. Yeah. Um, but in regards to, I noticed there's a change more in other people. Than what I really, I don't think I particularly changed too much myself. Obviously, I maybe, you know, maybe I'm a little bit slightly more cultured because I've travelled a lot more and I've been more fortunate to see things that not everyone gets to see. But it's, it's stuff like silly things like, you know, you go back to visit your relatives and they'll give you, a, they'll bring you a, a cup of tea, but they'll bring you it in their best china with a saucer. <laughs> you know, like they, they assume that they've got to kind of. You know, bring out the best stuff for you. Yeah. Now, when I'm like, yeah, you can just give me any old mug, I don't care. You know, it's a cup of tea, do you know what I mean? Well, it's that. As long as it's Yorkshire tea. <laughs> you know, right. It's that um, everywhere smelling of wet paint for the Queen. Do yeah. you have a sense of that happening a bit, like Dynamo's coming around? A little bit, but, but then, like I said, that's only when I got. You know, if, if I go back to see family at Christmas and it's like a family party, there's inevitably going to be cousins and stuff that I don't see. I see maybe once every three years, you know what I mean? And they're the ones where it's a bit like they don't really know me. They, I don't even really consider them. Like, they are my family, but obviously by, you know, by, by blood and all that stuff. But I've not grown up with them, do you know what I mean? I'm not, I, don't, I don't really know. I probably couldn't even remember half of their names because, you know, they, 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 they've all of a sudden decided to start coming to the Christmas parties. Uh, you know, over the last few years, you know, in, in yeah, the chance that. that they might get to see, <laughs> you know, and they always turn up, you know, with like, with, with stuff that they want signed and all that sort of, which is cool, but you think, well, that's like, this is family. They, yeah. they kind of shouldn't, you know. But that's interesting that. again, because I think that's continuing the theme about you always standing out in a way. Do you know what I mean? Outside of everyone else. And even what, what happens, I think it's fascinating, because I think with famous people, what happens is fame, you're kind of drawn to fame often because there's something not missing, but there's been some sort of something's happened to you. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah, you know, you look at um, other like super successful people like uh, like Eminem. Yeah. Obviously, he had a very rough childhood, and you, you hear about it in his songs. If you can hear the pain yeah. that he's had to go through, and he puts it lays art there in his tracks. Or people, you know, like Amy Winehouse. You know, she was such a talent. But obviously had so many you know issues that she was dealing with as well which is probably without those issues would she have been as interesting as she was would yeah. she have had the the um the passion in her music and would she, would she have the soul in her voice if she hadn't have had those hard you know hard comings so i think you know it definitely you know all these things that happened to me in my life all the negative things still you know i wouldn't change them for the world because they made me who i am today and I, I'm interested in the fact that you're small as well. I wouldn't say you were small. I would say you were a decent height because I'm, I'm petite. I'm, I'm average male height. I'll go with average. <laughs> yes. I think you're a nice height because I'm petite. I think we're, we're nice petite people. Yeah. But um, I always think if you're not massively tall... I'm not a giant. Let's <laughs> say that. I'm not a giant. Yeah, but that's interesting that you've got a giant dog. Yeah. What's that about? Uh, it's obviously a complex, isn't it? <laughs> it's definitely a complex, right? If I got, you know, I'm making up for, for uh, 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 with uh, these big giant dogs. No, I don't, no, I I don't think I just so think, I just, I like, like, I think for, for me, these giant dogs, they're, they're interesting and they, they're like a, a, they're like a dog's dog, innit? You know, they're like, yeah. you know, they're, 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 they're impressive and, you know, yeah. and I, I just find them fascinating. And then also, I think it's slightly, because, when I became started to become famous, and I had obviously Bessie around, my German Shepherd, you know, she was like the perfect guard dog. And, yeah. you know, it, I could actually, the, one of the good things about walking around with my dog, especially a dog that's, that's so big, is that it's one time where I get a bit of, not, 
uh, I, get, I guess I get a bit of like, you know, a bit of free time yeah. where people don't necessarily approach me as much. Yeah. So like, you know, because I'm more than happy when I meet people to do photos and to, you know, maybe do a little bit of magic every now and then. And, you know, I love kind of meeting the fans and people that have kind of put me in the position that I'm in. But sometimes, you know, I just want a little peaceful walk on my of own. Of course, yeah. And having, having the big dog, people, you know, some people love dogs and they're not scared to go up to her at all. But often, like you've seen, she gets more attention than me, so it helps to detract attention yeah. a little bit. That's interesting. I'm it sure gives me that a, goes on a bit I, as well. I, yeah. I, li I like her to get all the attention. I interviewed Sarah Milliken, and I think she was saying she really likes taking her dog out because her dog gets more attention. Her dog's sort of the star on the dog. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, Dynamo, we're on the ice again. Um, so let's talk about I like your walking on water. <laughs> You're really good at walking okay. on water. I've seen you. Well, <laughs> talking of that, I mean, your career's been extraordinary, hasn't it, really? And you started out, you got this video together, really yourself, didn't you? You got a Prince's Trust loan. Yeah, yeah. And then you kind of hustled your way into it, really, didn't you? Yeah, even the Prince's Trust loan was, I hustled that a little bit. Early on when I decided, you know, after I came up from America, and after I'd kind of, I'd spent a lot of time in hospital because of my Crohn's disease as well. But once I'd kind of got through all of that and had the operations and stuff like that, you know, I decided, all right, I'm going to try and actually really make a go of it. You know, I want to become a professional magician and just do this full time for a living. And I kind of put a business plan together, but it wasn't exactly the best business plan. It was like, you know, a few scraps of paper. Back of um, the bag package yeah, and yeah. thing, yeah. And um, I was trying to get funding, but no one would give me any money, you know, banks wouldn't even take a, take a meeting with me. You know, I was this little 18, 19 year old kid from Delphi Estate, you know. Um, I didn't exactly have any collateral or look like I was the most trustworthy kid in the world. I'm walking into their meetings saying, oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk on water, I'm going to fly, I'm going to do all this lot. They always look at me like I'm an idiot. Yeah. But then at the local youth club run by Emil, a place called Mapper, I'd do magic all the time. And Emil introduced me to a guy called Tony and it turned out Tony Knew this guy, Prince Charles, you've probably heard of him. <laughs> and he. Uh, well, I've seen you, you did a trick for him as well, which I saw. Oh, yeah, I've, done, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to meet him on quite a few occasions now. And has he sort of acknowledged that? Did you tell him what it was through a prince's trust? Yeah, he knows, yeah, 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 he, yeah he, he knows. Uh, I think I was, I, was, I was the first magician that they'd ever even kind of really? funded. They gave me £2,000 to get a, a laptop and a camcorder so I could start filming my adventures put on YouTube. And then you sort of wheedled your way backstage and you met, you know, there was sort of Chris Martin and people like that and yeah, Ian yeah. Brown as well. Yeah. And did you just, are you just quite a blagger? Are you quite good at stuff like that? Yeah. Because why I mean, would they have let you backstage? Did you just I think, say, you know what, I think that's part, one of the good things to come out of growing up on Delphi Estate was that everybody on the estate was a natural hustler. You had to have your wits about you. You had to have that bit of a, that blaggability to, to do anything because, like I said, nobody ever really gave you the time of day, you know, and the stereotypes of where you're from, it closed so many doors. So we had to have a constant, you know, we had to be able to create stories so that people wouldn't, wouldn't look into where we're from, you know, we had yeah. to like, you know, we had to kind of, kind of create an illusion yeah. of, of grandeur to be allowed in certain places, do you know what I mean? And because of that, I think when it came to my magic, Having the blagging skills and the magic combined, yeah. it was a double whammy, you know. So it was actually quite easy for me because I'm so used to kind of getting out of far trickier situations. So trying to meet a famous person backstage um, at an event was... Well, I suppose you sort of had nothing to lose as well. Yeah. Because you just thought, well, I don't care. I don't really care what well, they think Well, the thing is, we'd film, we'd film it, even if we got rejected, we'd film it because it was just, it was interesting footage. Yeah, yeah. Know? And I think, you know, there's, a, there's a, a motto I kind of live by, you know, it's better to try and fail than it is to fail to try. Yeah. You know, I, I was, I've got I another was not good one afraid of failure. I like um, Samuel Beckett said, and I've got this poster on my wall, I've got a print of it, and it says, no matter, try again, fail again, fail better. Yeah. And I like the idea yeah, of fail yeah. better. Yeah, well, you know the guy, uh, the Colonel for KFC, you know, yeah. he, he went to, I think, 600 restaurants before they take it, before one of them decided to buy his recipe off of him. If he'd have stopped after the first 10, we'd never have KFC, you know, we'd never yeah. have, his, have his, his empire. Yeah, so, you know, it's imagine a, not having KFC dynamo. I mean, I, I can't mean, eat KFC, fortunately. Why, so you have to be quite careful about what you eat, don't you? Yeah. Oh my God, there's this a This is going to be a doggy party. 
and there's a little toddler on a trike. It's all happening. Hello. There's, we've got two dogs in front of us, haven't we? Yep. Hello. There's a bit of a standoff going on. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, you. <laughs> You're brave. And Vanti's sort of in the middle of it. And they're going in the water again. Do you know what it reminds me of? When Vanti approaches, it's a bit like Godzilla or something. Yeah. Everyone just parts. But then she's so gentle nature. But she's so the, gentle. This way, Vanti. And they're going to water. you're going to get water. So then it really started taking off for you after that, didn't it? Yeah. Once I got that kind of the Princess Trust loan and started to be able to go out and film my stuff yeah. and capture, you know, because up until this point, I'd try and sell the idea of what I wanted to do, you know, I'd, I'd try and convince people that, you know, we could make a good TV show out of this, but nobody got it. But then, so I'm like, the only way to show people is to actually go out and do it myself on a budget and then show them the results, yeah. which is kind of what I did. And, you know, I ended up compiling some of the best bits onto a DVD that I put together myself, it cost me less than a thousand pounds. And I literally remember we sold 8,000 copies in a month for Twitter before, you know, I think MySpace might have been around back then. But like this, you know, this wasn't when you had like, you know, when you could tweet and everyone would see that you've got a new book out. Yeah. Which, which I, I do have. By yeah, the way. which we will discuss <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> but, but yeah, so. I've read your book. Oh, thank you. Well, I need to talk to you about that because the thing about magic is that I should say we met, you and I met through the show, radio show that I do with Frank Skinner. And we met because it was a rather weird way of meeting because Frank had mentioned you on the show and he'd said he'd been at an event and you hadn't done magic. Yeah, yeah. Well, he never asked, did he? No. And he said, well, I just don't get it. You know, if you're a magician... He, he has to remember, but he is like the comedy legend, Frank Skinner, right? You know, and he's come up talking to me and inside I'm like, yeah, I used to watch this guy on TV and he's like, he's a proper legend. And I was just, you know, I was, I just, know. I was just appreciative of the fact that he knew who I was and, you know, and liked what I did. And, um, you know, I kind of, I, I don't like necessarily sticking magic in people's faces if they don't, you know, if they want to see it. So I then ran into you with Frank Skinner at an event, another event, and sounds like we oh, just spent our life going there. to, why is she going on? She just likes to stay in by the Oh, water. you like it there? We can stay there if you like it. She lo that's her, that's Vanity's special place. Yeah. You did a trick for us, which was brilliant. And what I was about to say is. This was at the Ned. Yeah, at the opening of the Ned, and I, I get really panicky. I have the same reaction when someone does magic that I have when someone do tells a joke because I feel pressure is on me. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think, am I going to fail? Am I going to ruin this for them? You are the only person I have never felt that with because I felt this guy knows what he's doing. It's <laughs> fine. It's all going to be all right <laughs> because even if I get it wrong and I read out the wrong card or something, he's such a pro. I don't know. You just made me feel okay about it. Which that's, is, that's, good. Yeah. that's a good compliment. But, um, Thank you. And you've got this book out called... Um, the Book of Secrets. Book of Secrets, yeah. which I read. It's a beginner's guide, so it's like... And I really enjoyed it because I'm quite surprised, though, like, by how much you give away. And I was, it was brilliant because I thought... Oh, I, I, I mean, there was definitely things in there, but at the time I was thinking, is this too much to give away? Yeah. But then I'm thinking, you know what? Like, I want to give a potential newbie to magic the enough inspiration that they might want to to make you know might want to read more magic books might want to get into magic yeah. themselves you know and, and pursue it as an actual hobby whereas you know i didn't want them to just read it not learn anything and put it down yeah. so i wanted to kind of arm them with the tools to actually be able to impress their friends at school yeah. or impress their friends at work also i wanted to make sure i covered kind of all all range levels skill levels because yeah. you know even if you were into magic for a few years i wanted stuff to be in there that you might not have known about you know, so well, really even liked... even professional, there's some stuff in there, but I still do in my professional repertoire. You know, there's some stuff in there that will fool other magicians. Well, now um, it's not going to fool us. I know what you're doing now. I've read the book. But I was going to say, there's something you said in the book which I really like, which is you'll refer to your, is it Ruby, your niece? Yes. Have I got that right? Yeah, Ruby, mate, yeah. And you were saying that it got her off the iPad, which I thought was brilliant because that is something Fancy! Oh look, she's right in the centre of all these people. It's so yeah. cute. You know, like had you had an iPad, would you have done all those tricks? You know, would you have got into? Would you have learnt magic? Would it have been an escape route for you? No pun intended. Or would you have just been on the iPad, sort of googling how to deal with because bullies? I, definitely because I'm an introvert, I probably would have been. You know, I, it could have quite easily 
just being one of those guys who sits on his computer and doesn't talk to people. Yeah. You know, I probably could have learned, like, you know, maybe I could have been maybe a top coder or make computer yeah. games or, yeah. you know, do something, you know, make, like, build websites or something like that. Um, because I, you know, I love, I love using computers and I kind of, you know, love, like, the, all the things. It's magical, all the things you can do with a computer in this day and age. But I think magic was the thing that, gave me the social skills, they gave me the confidence yeah. to be sociable because that's what I was lacking and that's what I think is really important about yeah. the book is in this day and age, like I say, so many kids, they'll be sat at a table with their friends but they're all on their phones, they're not looking at their friends, yeah. they're not being sociable face to face. So, you know, I think where magic, it, it kind of, once you read about it and you learn a little bit about it, you like you get excited to want to show people. So yeah. then you have to put the phones down and go and actually interact with people one to one. And then the more you do it, when you you know when you know you've got something amazing to show someone, the more you do it, the more confident you get with it, and the more you want to show more people. And then eventually, you know, you realise that you're learning how to interact. And I think in this day and age, in a way, we've become, although we've become more connected in the world generally, yeah. we've kind of lost that social kind of the social skill abilities. Do you think kids see you, like when you meet parents and when you run into people, do you think they, they slightly idolise you in a way, kids? So, some kids, they yeah. definitely, you know, it was really interesting at the book tour to have young kids coming up to me and wanting to show me magic. Which is, first off, I'm thinking, these kids are brave, because it's like, if I saw someone I was a massive fan of, like, if, I, you know... Wayne Rooney, well, he's your friend, isn't yeah, he? But, but, like, you know, if, if I saw, if I met Eminem, right, yeah. you know, like, I, even if I was, even if I knew how to rap, there's no way I would even try and spit a rap to the rap god himself, Eminem. You know, I wouldn't have the confidence to do that. And I'm quite a confident person now. I didn't used yeah. to be like I am now, because of magic. So like, you know, to see these like, you know, six-year-old kids, you know, eight-year-olds, twelve-year-olds, you know, come up to me and having the confidence to show me magic, it's a testament to the magic itself. And yeah. you know, and I think it just shows that everybody does lead a little bit of magic in their lives. Oh, I love that. You seem really sort of measured, quite calm. Every time I've met you, which isn't that many times, but it's at mutual friends' parties, and you're very sort of calm and together. You know, I can't imagine you losing your shit over anything. <laughs> do you have a temper? Do you ever get... Do what annoys you? What annoys me? Uh, I don't get annoyed by that much stuff, really. Uh, I guess the only thing... If I, and this isn't even that bad, right? But when I'm at the cinema, yeah. Yeah. Like, I hate when people are on their phones. Does that bother I, you? Because Would you say something? I don't really say anything because I don't think necessarily it's always, I don't think it's my place to say, you know, I, I, I don't think people should be really, I don't like the idea of people being told what to do. Yeah. You know, like obviously you have to, you know, teachers have to discipline the children and have to teach them to do the right, do the difference between right and wrong. But I don't think that I should tell another human being that they can't do this and they can't do that because if people, because I grew up with everyone saying to me, you can't make a living doing magic, yeah. put the cards away, Stephen, you can't do that, that's not how you, you know, stop, stop messing about with those stupid jokes, you know, you know, if I'd have listened to them. When you ring up though, but you've just said Stephen, that interests me, so when you ring up, you go, hello, um, yeah, I want, is that um, the electricity board, yeah, this is Dynamo speaking, can I speak, do you say that when you ring up service providers and if your internet's down, do you say, yeah, your name, yeah, it's Dynamo. I mean, I'll be honest, sometimes if I call and I'm just kind of not getting anywhere, <laughs> I sometimes do drop the D-bomb and let them know, but you know, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, come on, you know, you know, or I'll say, I'll say, oh, well, could you, is it possible you could get somebody, you know, from, from like the management department to give me an email? Uh, yeah, my email's dynamo, beep, 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 you know, so I give them my actual, like, once, once they, and they say, and they say, what, Dynamo, like the magician? I'm like, yeah, he goes, he goes, and, they, and oh, most of the time, you, usually, they say, you know what? I thought I recognised your accent. Yeah. Because often, you know, like yeah. they they do tend to realise it's me after. after but a while. you're in a very select group, along with Madonna and Rihanna, and you're a you're a one name only person. Yeah. Do you have it on your um, credit cards? On my on my business card, yeah. yeah. Uh, not on my obviously on my personal. I love it. So Stephen. What about your passport? Uh, no, not Dynamo. No, only on the visas. Like on some of the visas, it says it, like, obviously the company stuff. So it's uh, it does definitely does come in handy at times. But I'm kind of like on the other side of things. That little boy's very excited, but he's trying to be cool. Oh. He went, "Oh my god!" But oh. you know, it's not every day he sees the co-host of the Frank Skinner show. <laughs> I, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but like you know, I, I guess for me, there's another side. The flip side of it is that 
I don't really care. To, I never really got into this to be famous. I, really? I, 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 I'm, I care that people care about the magic because that's my art. That's what I work so hard towards and I'm very lucky that people seem to like it. But I don't really give a shit about fame. Do you, you know? know? Like, it, you know, it's very, I'm very lucky that it gives me some really, I get to do really cool things and I get to meet amazing people. But for me, it's always just been about being able to do magic and yeah. for the rest of my life and make my living doing the thing I love the most. But when I'm not working, I, mean, I like spending time with my dog, spending time with my wife, um, you know, going. Well, I know you and you, you're quite private, which I really respect with your wife, but I just wanted to say I did meet her and I really liked her. Oh, thank you. I thought yeah. she was such a oh, laugh. She, so if I go out of her, she gets all the attention because she's beautiful. Well, she's stunning looking, and, I should say. And she's got such an amazing personality, you know, like she. She's very um, friendly and warm, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Like, if all the good traits of Bunty, you see how friendly Bunty is, right? She takes after my wife. And can you tell me how you met her? That wasn't me saying that my wife is anything like a dog, because <laughs> I just realised how that could have sounded. So just there's my uh, disclaimer there. But no, Bunty's very well-natured, because my wife looks after her. <laughs> yeah, they share a similar good nature. Yeah. And you guys met at V Festival, is that yeah, right? Yeah, we met at V Festival. We've been married five and a half years now. Can you believe it? Wow. We met like, I'd say, seven years ago. And uh, yeah, we fell in love. And, and how long after uh, you met did you Bessie propose? was actually Bessie was actually her, her dog from, she had Bessie from a pup. So when, when I met her, I had obviously her for the last half of her I life. I knew she was a dog lover, that's why I liked her. How, so how long after you were dating did you propose? Uh, quite soon, actually. I'd say, I'd say like eight months in. Like, wow. when, you, when you know, you know, don't you? Well, you say that, but I think a lot of young men, handsome man, successful, you know, everything's happening. Else, yeah? <laughs> a lot of men in your position would have thought, oh, you know what, I'm going to go on the road, have a bit of fun for the next five, ten years, and then um, marry a 22-year-old when I'm 60. You just don't strike me as that kind of a guy at all. I kind of got it out of my system, I guess, when I was younger. And also, like I say, when you, know, when you, when you find, system. you know, when you find the one, I think that you just know. And it's also, it's, there's things you get, you know, even in a relationship, it's different from, you know, dating and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? You, like, I've been with, I've been with her for like five and a half years now. I'm married, married five and a half years. How you doing, mate? You all right? Merry Christmas. Good man, Merry Christmas. Hello. How you doing? This is, your, this is your friend, isn't it, Bunty? He's all right, she's skipping around a bit more, isn't he? Yeah, she's doing good. Had all operations. Yeah, she looks good. Yeah, so... That's a lovely dog. Yeah, border. I'm Emily, by the way. You should do, you should do, you should do a podcast You should do a podcast with John. I'd love to, yeah. 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 He just, he yeah, yeah. really cares about me. I care about him. <laughs> yeah, you've got, you've got some stories. Nice to see you, mate. Merry nice to see you, man. Really nice yeah, to yeah. meet you. Have a great Christmas. Bye-bye. She's a good woman. Yeah, yeah. We need to say quickly, that was very exciting. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was John Moss from yes, Culture Club. Culture Club. Yeah. Um, it was very exciting because I recognised him immediately because he's very yeah, much my yeah, generation. I, I've, I've known him ever, ever since I've lived in this area. Because he's a local, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Nice guy. Sorry, you were saying about your wife. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, like you were saying about obviously, you know, like a lot of people in my position would have probably just run, run wild. Um, but I guess, you know, my, like my, uh, well, you met my wife, so you know what she's like. And, you know, for me, like she had everything I'd ever dreamt in in a woman, and you know, and even in to what this, way? Just personality, looks, just the, her her nature, you know, the where she's, and also she's kind of a um, very interesting, you know, mix. She's she's kind of mixed race like I am, um, and because yeah, your dad's from Pakistan, my dad's, is yeah, that right? yeah, 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 and uh, and um, her family were originally from out of Mongolia, her her father's side and her mum's side was wow. Irish, was from Westport in Mayo. So like this is really kind of a really interesting yeah. kind of in interesting mix and all, like you know, also like you know the you know she's got um, like quite a big family you know which I never had um, and also their family used to foster kids and take you know bring, take kids who needed to be home and stuff like that you know so they were you know they always had really busy homes and whenever I get you know when I spend time with their family it's just amazing so you know but I think it's interesting for you because I know you say well when you know you know and all that. But then I, as I'm sure you do, encounter a lot of people in this world. And I think sometimes people don't know what's good for them. In the sense that I think you're quite smart and I think you've worked out that that's what, you really need someone on this journey with you. Especially doing you know? all the, I'm going, you know, I'm I, I doing my tours and making my TV shows. And it's, you know, it's often hard for someone 
not in the industry to understand well you, only, you have to be in the industry to understand how much work goes into what we do you know you, there's times where you're on the road for six months you know you're not even getting to go home and do you miss these guys oh you i miss them like mad them. but but then they've they are so understanding you know they yeah. and it just works it, it, i think that's part of why they're still that 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 spark you know yeah. from the time because because yes that's it's, true it's nothing is ever stale and static you know uh, you know i'm I'm away, I'm home enough to have, you know, the home life I need, but I'm also away enough to, to miss them. Yeah. You know, and vice versa. And then, then I get to go to amazing places. So then, you know, I get to fly them out to come and see me and, you know, and we get to do really amazing things. You know, I, for me, you know, I grew up without having a father around and not really having a mum around so much. So I'm quite comfortable being on my own. Yeah. Um, you know, I like, when I'm creating new ideas, I like to lock myself away and kind of create, you know, work on new stuff. And you but don't, you're not, you don't strike me as a kind of neurotic person. Do you know what I mean? No, I mean, I've definitely got my demons, you know. I've, Have you? Like, what are they? Uh, I don't know, I guess. I think for me, you know, having, having my wife um, there is definitely like, she is my security, you know, like I feel she's my, my soulmate and, you know, if if she wasn't there, I'm I'm sure there'd be times when I'd be like driving myself insane, going a bit stir crazy, yeah. you know, um, because like she understands me better than anybody, and because she's had the opposite lifestyle growing up that I've had, I think that you know she yeah. balances me out. I see that. You know, I I obviously I know that not not growing up with my father and my mum around, there's definitely going to be parent issues there for me. You know, there's definitely going to be like Is there ab sort of abandonment? abandonment issues. Yeah, it, definitely, but. Because I've got a family of my own now, you know, we've, you know, we haven't got kids yet, but we've got Bunty, you know, we've got a puppy, you know, so I feel like... So do you think if you have, because I have abandonment issues for sort of different but similar reasons, and I think I've always done the opposite, which is seek out partners who are, who are going to leave me, because I feel comfortable with that. And so what I'm saying is you've instinctively done the right thing, which is find someone who's not going to do that. Yeah. And I bet what she makes you feel is, it's okay, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah, and, and you know, and and she just allows me to be me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she loves me for me. She, you know, when I left Bradford and came to London, you know, and started doing. Oh, Bunty's making Daddy. a friend. They all like that hat. Oh, I know, they all want this hat. Emmy, Emmy. Emmy. I was going to so go say, like, the thing with my uh, wife is that she's the first person I think I've ever met in my life who I feel totally comfortable just being myself and for many years going you know through school life I had to pretend to be something I wasn't you know trying to make us become successful I had to pretend I wasn't from Delphi Estate I wasn't from you know Pope but you know I mean I've had to constantly kind of create an illusion of of what my life is about whereas my wife you know she was the first person I ever felt confident just to totally just be myself and be comfortable with my own skin um, you know, can you cry in front of her yeah of course yeah, do you yeah. cry um, if, you know, if, if there's a reason to cry. When did um, you last cry? Um, the last time I cried was actually when Bessie died. Oh. Yeah, when Bessie died, um, that, was, that was horrible. Yeah. Um, but we, I mean, we cried together then, obviously, you know, it was, it was bad. Do you feel, when you're doing these stunts, like, you know, I sometimes, I get nervous looking at you, when you're doing the levitating in front of Christ the Redeemer statue or you're at the top of the shard, which I saw live because I was in an office block. Oh, you know, oh you yeah. it? And I thought, what's going on there? And then I, and I did, I thought, oh, it's Dynamo up to his old tricks again. <laughs> oh, look at that little doggy. But do you get nervous? I mean, I would be vomiting the day before something like that. I'd be lying if I said I didn't get nervous. Obviously, you know, there's going to be a sense of anticipation. I think you get nervous every, before I walk out on any stage. But I think there's a difference between Good nervousness, like you know, yeah. there's that anticipation, than nervousness thinking, oh my god, I'm gonna die, you know. Yeah. Like, I've got past that stage a little bit. I've got, I just have to trust myself and, you know, believe. I've, you know, after doing a few of the bigger stunts, I started to think, all right, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at this now. You know, I take it, I dedicate myself to, to mastering things properly, you know, and I do all the correct safety precautions, you know, and I kind of, you know, do all the training that goes into it. You know, I'm not just an amateur going out there and just. No. Doing, doing jackass type stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm just going 180th floor, please, mate. It's no, the top. like I'm you know, I uh, I have to kind of you know take it deadly seriously. I've got I've got a wife, I've got a dog at home, you know, you know I've got to make sure that I'm coming home to them at night. And my wife never watches my big stunts. She's always she's, she? She, she my wife and my manager and my friends. I think they get more nervous than I do. 
Really? I can't, I can't look at them, you know, so they watch them back on, you know, when I, on the TV or when I've done it. Well, you seem like you have good people around you, and I think that's important as well, isn't it? Is that I see you have that sort of showbiz aura around you, and I've seen it, I've been with you at events, where it's sort of like when a boxer walks into a room. I know that sounds a weird comparison, but it's like a sports or thing. It's like people get very excited, and it's not like you're in EastEnders and people are going, oh, there he is. But yeah. it's like when people do recognise you, the level of excitement is huge. Yeah, yeah, I get, yeah. Because as you say, it's magic. It's something special you're bringing to people's lives, you know, that's utterly unique. Yeah. Like, and it's, yeah, it's unique and it's something that, you know, if I walk in a room, there's an opportunity, there's possibility that I might do something that's completely impossible, that's never been seen before. And so how do you see, ah, Dynamo, I'm so oh, gonna fall. Careful. You need to help me, Dynamo. Only you can help me, Dynamo. <laughs> I mean, the great thing about being a magician is that Bunty, come you on. know you've got a pension and it's in Las Vegas. Yeah, if I, yeah. <laughs> that so. is literally the equivalent of the retirement home for the, for the magician, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, I, I Can I you see of, yourself with a couple of tigers? No tigers, but you know, loads of, loads of dogs. <laughs> loads of bunties. Right. But would you do that? Would I do a Las Vegas residency? I think, like, if the opportunity came up and I thought, you know, I like the idea of doing it for maybe six months. Yeah. I don't want to do it for like eight years. I don't have to commit, make that commitment. Yeah. You know, so if, if a small residency came up where I could go, you know, go in and out um, and just, you know, do a, do one run. Because I, I love the fact that I get to travel around so much, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm a, like, I, I, did, I took my tour to Australia. Um, yeah, which you know, is great. Like, you know, I'm getting, I'm going to take it to some other places. You know, whereas if I'm, if we've Las Vegas, a lot of those acts get stuck there. Well, that's the thing. You can end up just living there, you know. And as I say, it becomes, they pay so well, don't they? That's the other thing. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, I think, you know, you've got to balance out between the, the, the obviously, the, the magic and the passion and the art has to come first before the money. Yeah. You know, it, it has to be right for the, for the brand because essentially, you know, I'm representing all of magic, you know, like, yeah. and magic for me is, like I say, I don't want, I don't want it ever to get to that point again where people can, kind of going full circle where people yeah. can ever describe magic as being math yeah. you know whereas it, when i first got into it a lot of people's perception of magic was that it was math so for me it's about you know showing people that magic can stand alongside other art forms like like drama like singing like dancing you know like acting like yeah. presenting um you know because essentially as a magician you do use all of those disciplines you use choreography in the work you use you know you use voice skills that, you, that you'd learn in drama school you know i obviously didn't go to drama school so i've kind of just learned them through trial and error and just through performing a lot and you know it would be kind of good to see magic kind of in years to come to see more magicians out there and to see yeah. magic being treated with the same respect that the other other industries get and you know hopefully i'm hoping to pave that way i mean i did like i said i did the tour and i was the first magician in history to to headline the o2 arena um, which is amazing, which is isn't crazy, it? Crazy, because when you think space, there, yeah. just by doing that, I'm I'm doing hosting a show, doing shows um, in the same venue that you get the likes of, like say Madonna, Jay Z, Coldplay, yeah. Kanye West, you know, yeah. they perform in these arenas. So when you perform, you know, Peter Kane, so like, when they when you're performing those, putting magic on that, that same level, that's what I'm all about. And do you, when you're going out to do a gig like that, though, you're converting those nerves, presumably. I see, I've just, I will just imagine you being backstage, like I say, being sick, but you don't do that. No, no, like, I... Are you quite calm, or do you get, do you have, like, a rider, and do you have a ritual, and are you like, right, I have to get there early? I, like I listen to music loud. I, I go, for, sometimes if I've got a big enough car park, I go for, like, do some donuts in my car. Like, I, mm -hmm. I like drifting. Like, I like, I, I love driving and stuff like that, and... You know, You'll so, do some donuts. Yeah, but I'm, when I'm on tour, I'm usually not allowed to do any of my fa fancy driving because um, so I usually have to wait till the, literally the day after I finished my Australia tour. I went straight to a drifting track and did some drifting sessions. Really? Um, yeah, because. And is that how you unwind? Yeah, a little bit. Is yeah, it? I, I love. I've always loved. Um, I always love watching car chase sequences, and I've always thought it'd be cool to be able to drive like that. <laughs> and I spent, you know, over like, as I've become successful, I've had enough money to be able to get get taught, and I met people like the Stig. 
you know. Oh, did you meet the stick? Yeah. Well, you're in a quiet you know, minority. And I've kind of, you know, I'm like. I'm, I think I'm even his wife doesn't know what he looks like. I think he wears the <laughs> helmet in bed. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've met, you know, I've met, obviously become friends with people like Richard Hammond and Jeremy Clarkson, yeah. you know, um, and these car guys who've kind of, you know, through, through the networks have introduced me to the right people to teach me how to do that stunt driving. So I've just been slowly learning bits of it. Um, so, you know, maybe in future it might come up for a James Bond sequence, <laughs> you know. If I can see you having a cameo in a Bond film. That'd be cool. Dynamo, that'd be great. I mean, I look all right in a suit, maybe a you know, I think you could be. I think could that's I be the way for. I think I've, <laughs> I've got all the gadgets and the skills, and the, you know, like you got the piercing blue eyes. It's going to happen. I can see it happening now. Would you do? Do you like the idea of acting? If the right opportunity came up, I would definitely take a look at it. I, uh, I'd want to spend, you know, quite a bit of time getting it right. You know, I wouldn't want to just jump into a film and because I'm not an actor. You know, I'm not a. Yeah. I haven't had the professional training, and, and I want to make sure that the art form gets treated in the right way, you know, I want to make sure that I can do acting justice, you know what yeah. I mean? So, I wouldn't want to play like a cliche magician, you know, right. I don't want to play myself, I'd want to actually act. It's like, like the thing I was saying though, it's, I'm, I'm, not afraid to, I'm not afraid of failure, because, I, you know, every, every failure for me is you learn something from it, and if you, go, if you do something and you get it right all the time, then you only learn what it's like to get something right all the time. Yeah. You don't learn how to modify things, how to tweak things and change them, uh, how to how to like get out of situations. You know, like often there'll be times I'm performing because I'm improvising a lot, where in my head the effect is not going to turn out how I wanted it to, yeah. but the audience doesn't know what's coming. Yeah. So because of my experience, I'm able to kind of turn the magic into a different effect. So it's still amazing to the audience, yeah. even if it wasn't what I initially intended. And it's a bit like a comedian, you know, the good ones know how to take a heckle from the audience yeah. and turn it into a positive moment in their show. Yes, yeah. You can always convert it because you've got enough stuff in your back catalogue yeah. stored never, on your hard drive. If you've, drive. Been, if you've done stand-up comedy and you've never been heckled before, then you don't know how to deal with a heckler. So well, it's you not get until heckled though, don't you, sometimes? Occasionally. I read like, that and I was shocked. What would you say to it? What do they say to you? Let's say someone's on stage and they've, picked a certain card and then someone's in the audience say yeah but what if it was the queen of hearts but then i'm like there's a queen of hearts you know like it's it's not necessarily heckles it's more challenges magical right. challenges like you know like if i put someone's phone in a bottle they're like oh well can you put my watch in a bottle i'm like all right there you go yeah you know, what yeah. time is it that's but that's kind of come from the kind of perform magic and working men's clubs you know, like yeah. in the, in the environments, you know, you're dealing with the toughest crowd. They're quite drunk, and they, you know, they're yeah. they're not afraid to tell you if it's rubbish or if it's good or you know. So, I think you know that's why if you look at a lot of, um, I guess like Frank Skinner, for example, you know, he um, he probably did the rounds, you know, performing in some of the worst places ever to the yeah. till he got to the point where he is now. And because he's because he's done all that, he became one of the greatest comedians in this country. So you know, it's. Well, I just, I don't even know what to say at this point. Frank is going to be so happy that you said that. Well, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a comedy genius. I mean, I think also you're right there, but I, but I notice, and it's something, when I do this podcast, I mean, I'm fascinated because there does seem to be this running theme throughout, which is just that sense of, you know, just that determination. And just like you say, that turning failure into a positive all the time, because you have to sort of fail before you can become successful, don't you? Yeah. There are no shortcuts. And I find that interesting as well because I do think with the this generation the sort of younger generation I think I just I think sometimes shortcuts you know I look at certain tv shows and I just think it's this idea that I want to be a star right I want to be one now and it's like no it's it's hard there's hard work involved like there's a technical side to magic you had to yeah. learn it's not like just it's, standing on the stage you know people sometimes think that it was a bit of an overnight success but yeah but I mean like 17 years is a long night you know I've, I've been working at it now I'd say for a good you know, I'm 34 now, so I guess when I was like 70s, when I really started to wanted to make it a profession, you know, it's kind of like it's a long time. Well, that's what I mean, and I think if young people look at you and realise, that's why I think it's important they realise, no, there was work involved in that. Well, I think we have to end the podcast now. I've really enjoyed it. It's been awesome. I've loved talking to and you. Bunny's had such a good time. I... She's met loads of amazing doggy friends. She's been for a swim. In the ice, she even tried to walk on the ice. You know, I was trying to walk on the water like a dad. Like, <laughs> you know, she had a good old time, aren't you, Bunty? I yeah. loved meeting Bunty, and I've loved meeting you, Dynamo. And I think you're a really interesting, inspirational person. Well, thank you. Very and much. I really loved your book, and I really did enjoy it. Are so you going to do magic to your friends at Christmas? 
I'm just saying, I might be showing Frank Skinner a few tricks. Amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. all I'm going to say. I might be doing that. I might give you for some tips, but you know. Um, no, it's really good and everyone should buy it. And we should say it's called... The, the Book of Secrets. Book of Secrets. Well, it's a great book and everyone it, should yeah, get it. Yeah, actually, well, I think... It, yeah, is it, is it in the Times bestsellers list? It should be. Well, it will be now. Well, I'm going to give you a hug because I really enjoyed much. today. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bunty! Are you going to get, how long is it going to take you to clean her down? Oh, that's right, I've got, a, I've got a little hose, I can hose her down and then, like I say, she can go and lie on the underfloor heating you and, see, get, and cool off, dry This off. is the reality cool of off, Dynamo's life, in the alley with the hose. It's yeah. not all glamorous, it's not all hanging out with Wayne Rooney and Chris Martin. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that. Can you remember to rate, review and subscribe because I love reading your feedback. And without all of you listening, there would be no show. Well, there would, but it would be a bit pointless. What I'm saying is I need you, but not in a scary call the police way, yet. Is this too weird? 